Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It is a Wednesday morning. It is the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Welcome one, welcome all to the MSU football schedule breakdown uh, here with Scott. We've been together the whole week here, actually. We've coordinated the schedules for the, uh, you know what? I, I didn't actually decide on a name, but I like the uh, the tuck come and kickoff week. So it's tuck come and kickoff week. It's a Wednesday and we're breaking down the MSU schedule. Yesterday, you heard us break down the entire Big Ten. And in that, if you listen the whole way through, you got our overall predictions, each of our predictions for the MSU record for this year. Uh, now, today, you get to hear more of the context. You get to hear us talk about actually why we think we're going to win or lose some of these games and you know how this is all going to shake itself out. So before we get into this, Scott... Um, it's a Monday, but for the listeners, it's a Wednesday. A little time traveling here. How you doing, bud? I'm great, Kevin. Yesterday we, uh, yeah, yesterday we gave them the mashed potatoes. Today they're getting the gravy. So uh, I'm excited for this one. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. And I, I do have a warning for the people. I have the standing room puppy sitting next to me right now. She's being quiet at the moment, but there is a chance you're going to hear some dog barking or something like that. Um, I know Scott's got the second. Well, I guess. Padfoot would be the first standing room puppy since he's older, right? Yeah, he's uh he's in like a pseudo retirement, I think. He's uh <laughs> he's not very conscious right now. So, fingers crossed we will uh, have a nice quiet presentation. For the yeah, listeners. so we got the two dogs within striking distance here. So, you know, anything can happen. But um hey, let's let's just kind of jump into it. Again, yesterday we went through the entire Big 10, so we don't want to spend too much more time about with that. Um, but let's get into the Michigan State schedule. And obviously that starts in three days at noon Eastern with Rutgers coming into Spartan Stadium. Now, we both have this as a win. Uh, there, There is a, a projected uh, or there is a, actually a Vegas win total out there right now, uh, which we'll get into in just a moment. But when you think about MSU playing Rutgers in week one, Scott, what's what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you're thinking about this game? I mean, I think the main storyline is just the fact that both programs are bringing new coaches and new regimes, you know, into the mix here. So we're going to obviously everybody's excited to see what Mel Tucker brings in our uh, fan base here. But, you know, there's some excitement around the conference to see what Greg Schiano 2.0 looks like at Rutgers, too. So um, obviously it had both programs have some implications towards where the conference will head over the next few years. Maybe not as much Rutgers if, you know, our predictions are correct, but um, it's exciting to see a couple of new, you know, a couple of new faces. One, well, Shiano's semi new, but uh, yeah, two new coaches, two new programs and a lot of excitement in both. Now, again, if you listen to the episode yesterday, there's not really much suspense here as far as who we have winning these games, but uh, we do both have predicted wins, uh, Michigan State against Rutgers. Uh, and, and look, it comes down to a couple things for me. The, the, we're both breaking in new coaching staff. So the, the whole notion of, well, man, it's the first game with Mel Tucker and Scotty Hazleton, Jay Johnson. What's everything going to look like? There was no spring practice. All of that kind of gets thrown out the window because Rutgers is on an even playing field in that sense. They have Greg Schiano coming in. 
new coaching staff, new personnel. And on top of that, Rutgers is bringing in a lot of transfers who haven't really been around the program. So, you know, in, in that sense, I don't think it's going to make a big difference one way or the other. Uh, but I, I do think Michigan State is the more talented team. Look, Rutgers, for as much as I do think that there's going to be some improvement here, I, they got a long way to go, man. Uh, and the the question for me is not does Michigan State win this game, but by how much? And that's a scary thing to say in the first week of a, of a new coaching staff. But the the Vegas line right now is 11 and a half. Now, Scott, we, we both predicted wins here for, for this game, but 11 and a half points, you're asking us to win pretty comfortably by double digits. I, this is one where if, if I'm putting my real money on it, I'm terrified. So I, I would recommend staying away, at least for the beginning of this MSU season. You know, we, we just, there's so many variables that are going to come into this. I, I just would not recommend putting real money on this game, but uh, with the 11 and a half point, I would, I would have to say MSU was going to cover that. Do I feel comfortable with that? Not at all, but, um, give me a two touchdown win. I just think that that Rutgers is going to have a really hard time moving the ball. Michigan state's defensive coaching staff is unbelievable this year. You have Mel Tucker, who has won a national championship as a defensive coordinator. You have Scotty Hazelton, who has won defense or national championships at the the at North Dakota State as a defensive coordinator. You have uh, Tressel, who was a DC at Michigan State. You have uh, Els, the linebacker coach, was a defensive coordinator. The Ron Burton. You have Harlan Barnett. I mean, this coaching staff is incredible. I think they're going to have the guys ready to go. I have a hard time seeing Rutgers scoring more than ten points in this game. So. I, I just really think I, I know the line is moving around a little bit. It opened at 11 and a half. I think at the time of recording, it's actually moved out to 15 and a half, which makes me even more nervous, but uh, I, I'll take MSU in the points almost regardless of what it is, just because I, I have a really hard time seeing Rutgers scoring in this game, you know, more than more than 10 points. And I think our offense can at least move the ball down the field a little bit. So um, you know, again, we both have wins projected, but Scott, given the point total and, and kind of what are you thinking as far as some of the matchups in this game? Yeah, I mean, like you, you bring new coaches in, you bring new playbooks in um, a game like this, at least for the Michigan State side, I think they're going to try if they have the option to keep their playbook pretty close. Uh, obviously, we have Michigan the week after, so they're not going to want to show everything they're going to be using this year. They're going to try to rely on the talent disparity. I do think a lot was made of, you know, the guys Michigan State lost and the gaps for filling this year. But I, I honestly, I still think we hold a pretty sizable talent advantage over Rutgers uh, as it stands. And in a game like this, when you're playing on a narrow playbook, you know, it really comes down to who's going to execute the simple plays, the basics of your scheme uh, better. And I think that's obviously going to be Michigan State. So the line scares me. I went through this past weekend and actually just, you know, threw out a score I thought was realistic for each of these games. And I had this one at 23 to 10. So if you're at that 11 and a half, you're probably taking MSU. If you're at 15 and a half, you're taking Rutgers. Uh, if you're comfortable with that, you know, but it's, it's hard. And I think the reason the line's moving around so much is because nobody really has a firm expectation on exactly where these programs will be. I think the general sense is that Michigan State's coming in as a stronger team, but there's just so many variables that uh, that aren't answered right now. So um, if you're really looking for some excitement, put some money on this one. Over-unders at 47 and a half. I'm probably taking the under just given how many offensive question marks there are on both sides. Yeah, they say fortune favors the bold. And if you're willing to put money down on a, a week one game with two new coaching staffs with no spring practice, that that's bold right there. So yeah, if, if I'm looking to play anything in this game, it would probably be the under. I, again, I think our defense is going to be pretty much ready to go. And, and the offense on our side and on their side, I, I've talked about this before. I think we're, we will see two quarterbacks in this game, regardless of, of how the game plays out. You know, not even just some garbage time or whatever. I, I think that the quarterback competition is going to leak into week one against Rutgers, if not, you know, weeks two and three into the season. So I think we'll see a couple quarterbacks. I think there's going to be, you know, just some problems on the offense in general, but again, Rutgers offense, the last few years has been so bad. 
I don't think that's going to change in a week one game. So uh, give me whatever the under is, but I think Michigan state, give me them in the points. Give me Michigan state to win this week one battle. Again, mostly hanging on the defense there. I, I guess, yeah, the one thing you'd be worried about, right, is is them just not opening up the playbook and, and not really wanting to show anything and just letting Rutgers hang around there, running the ball, running a conservative offense. But, you know, hey, Michigan State fans, we've had a lot of experiences with conservative play calling. So um, we'll we'll definitely be used to that if that's what we end up seeing on Saturday. And whether it's for uh, actual um, performance or, or just a nod to the previous regime, I think we will see at least one short side jet sweep in the first half of this game from Michigan State. Yeah, there, there has to be just in memoriam of, of Mark D'Antonio and uh, Dave Warner. You have to throw one in there in the first quarter and just, you know, I hope Mel Tucker just, you know, points up afterwards and, and just lets everybody know that, you know, we know who this is for. He's, he's had some fun on social media. I think he's, he's understands the, the joke a little bit because it's commented about five or six times on every tweet that he sent out. So I think he's picked up yep. on that by now. Looking forward to it. So let's move on to week two. Uh, not too much more to talk about there. Week two, obviously, is the big one. It's Michigan right before, literally five minutes before we started recording this here on Monday, we got the news that this is going to be a noon kickoff uh, for the Michigan game on Fox, uh, which I, I like. I, I just, I like noon games. I think 3.30 is the optimal college football game. I think that's the perfect time for Saturday college football, but I do love noon games. I hate playing primetime games. Maybe I'm, you know, in the minority there, but just sitting around all day and waiting and waiting and waiting for your team. I'd rather get it out of the way early. I can wake up, get my breakfast, have an early beer, early start to the day. I, I love noon kickoffs. So this Michigan game will be a noon kickoff. Um, I look, if, if we're projecting a point spread, it's tough to do in this game because Michigan's going to be coming off either a huge win on the road against Minnesota or a tough loss. And that would adjust this line. I think pretty substantially, if they're coming off a win in this game, you know, this might be a double digit point spread where, where we're double digit underdogs. And if Michigan struggles week one, then we could see this as, you know, maybe even like a five and a half point spread. But um, look, we, I predicted a loss for this game. Uh, I think that while Michigan certainly is losing a lot of their experience from last year on, on both sides of the ball, say what you want about Shea Patterson, but losing a quarterback is never easy. Uh, they're losing a bunch of uh, starting offensive linemen, a couple that are in the NFL starting right now. Uh, they lost a couple receivers. Tariq Black is transferred over to Texas. The Donovan Peoples-Jones is on the Cleveland Browns. As much you know turnover as we've had on the roster, they're in that same boat. The only difference is they got their whole coaching staff coming back. I think Don Brown is going to feast on whatever young quarterback or inexperienced quarterback is coming in there with a lot of different blitzes that, you know, I, I just don't think that our offensive line and our quarterback will be ready for. So I, I think this will be one that whatever the Vegas line is, I would like to take Michigan state in the points simply because it's a rivalry game. I think it'll be pretty low scoring. And so it gives us a chance to hang around, but you know, I have this as a loss. I, I just don't think we're ready this early in the season for that kind of matchup. But, you know, a rivalry game week two is is certainly interesting. And, you know, it could throw a lot of loops in this schedule the way it shapes up with whether we win or lose. So Michigan week two, what are your kind of initial thoughts on this one? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I think the line will probably open around 10 points um, somewhere in that range. I I think when you look at this, I mean, week two, like you said, a rivalry game in week two is impossible to truly predict. Um, there's going to be a lot of emotion like there is every year. We really don't know what to expect from Tucker on either side of the ball. If anybody, you know, if we're being honest with ourselves. Um, and I think both teams have uh, a reason to keep this one close and keep it uh, contained. I think both teams are going to try to keep the ball on the ground as much as they can. Michigan State, for the sake of just keeping the score close and trying to maintain a close game into the second half and into the fourth quarter. And Michigan, 
is uh, not going to want to make mistakes because they're the favorite. So they're going to want to, you know, play a conservative game and rely on their talent to, uh, to get a couple score lead. So yeah, I expect this one to open up a little bit in the second half. I have it at 31 to 20 uh, in favor of Michigan. Um, I think it'll be probably a little higher scoring than Rutgers simply for the fact that, you know, both these offenses will have a week under their belt and, uh, and there's going to be some chaos and, thankfully they say chaos favors the underdog hopefully maybe we'll steal a score on a turnover or something keep it close um but yeah i think the talent and the consistency from um, michigan coaching staff is going to be the difference in this one yeah and and rivalry games you're always going to see some you know trick plays you're going to pull out all the stops so i i could see this one being a little bit more high scoring again maybe there's a defensive touchdown special teams a lot of weird stuff happens when, when these two teams play and I haven't mentioned it yet. Halloween full moon, weird shit can happen, man. I I just, I'm not going to predict a win in this game because I, I just think they're the more talented team. Their defensive line is, is looking like it'll be stout this year. Aiden Hutchinson and Quiddy Paye are, are both NFL type defensive ends. Um, and they got, uh, what's his name, McGrone, Mitch McGrone at linebacker. They, they have some good players. Um, now, Am- Ambry Thomas, he opted out, and I don't believe he has opted back in, to my As knowledge. Did, so, uh, yeah, and they, they also lost Nico Collins to an opt-out for the NFL. So, so those could be two pretty big-time losses for this team that they were expecting to have, their number one corner and probably their number one receiver. It's probably Nico Collins or Ronnie Bell. But I just, you know, I think this will be a close game. And if if we can get a couple turnovers, I, I said it in the last episode, if if we can make this into like a 2018 game where we just get a couple turnovers in a good spot, give our offense a good field position, and just hope for the best. That's kind of the formula, I think, for this game. So um, now we both have a loss projected, but... I just think uh, this this one will be close. I, I don't think don't let Michigan fans on Twitter tell you that this is going to be a, a 2019 esque blowout because they're not that type of team. They they're not going to be that type of team, especially early in the year. But um, any last thoughts about this Michigan game before we move on? No, I mean I'm excited having it week two. Um, we've obviously waited forever to have this season start, so being able to get right into the good games off the bat is is really exciting and and you know like I said chaos favors the underdog um I think being in week two leads to a little bit more chaos and uh it's going to be interesting could go uh, a whole lot of different directions but uh hopefully like you said it'll be close and we'll have ourselves a game in the fourth quarter and so that takes us to a road trip in Iowa City to take on the Iowa Hawkeyes um look Iowa's a team that I we haven't seen a bad Iowa team in a long time. And I'm not saying this is going to be a bad Iowa team, but I talked about them quite a bit yesterday. Look, they're losing a quarterback. They're losing a lot on the defense. You have a lot of just, they actually have probably one of the better receiving groups in the, in the big 10 this year, but it's a school that's not really going to utilize that. So, I mean, I, I just don't know how to feel about Iowa. You, you add in the fact that, Kirk Ferentz and and the whole coaching staff was kind of under fire a lot of the off season with, you know, some backlash about, uh, let's just call it treatment of their players. Uh, they lost their strength and conditioning coach as a result. Somebody who's been there for a long, long time, and it just seems like this is going to be a year that Iowa maybe stumbles a little bit. I had them going three and five in the conference, and I have Michigan State winning this game against Iowa. I think it'll be something that you know, we can really hang our hat on at the end of the year. Um, Iowa's going to have a big game against Minnesota coming up the following week. Maybe we catch them slipping there, but I think regardless, just in a neutral site, lining these teams up in a vacuum, I don't think the talent mismatch is really there either way. And yeah, Kirk Ferentz is a great coach, but again, they they've lost some coaches on their staff and it's just kind of a weird season for Iowa. And, and I just, think they're losing a lot too again this is not a team that has a lot of experience coming back so give me a win against Iowa I would guess that the point spread would be something like Iowa minus five and a half I think we're certainly going to be underdogs in this game especially being on the road but another factor is you're going into Kinnick Stadium which is usually a tough place to play 
there's not going to be any fans there. And that makes a big difference when you're traveling to one of these teams with, you know, a, um, a Wisconsin and Iowa, a Penn state, some of these teams who traditionally have a huge home field advantage. Uh, Iowa's not going to have that this year. So give me a win against Iowa on the road in week three in my predictions, that's going to bring us to two and one and really start off this year strong, get above 500 for Mel Tucker in the first three weeks. And and that could bring some momentum coming in the following weeks, uh, you know, for this team. Yeah. I mean, I'm really looking forward to this game. We're coming off, you know, the Michigan game for better or for worse. Um, but you know, road trips have a tendency of bringing a team together and really solidifying kind of those bonds and that, that team atmosphere. And, um, I always got a lot to think about off the field, even just, you know, this morning and this past weekend, they're off the field conversations and question marks continue. Akram Wadley, along with seven other players, just made some demand for $20 million and like the whole coaching staff to resign and everything. And it's still making its rounds around Twitter and the news outlets and everything. And, you know, a distraction like that can't be minimized in this kind of situation. So obviously it's still uh, three weeks away. A lot can change in that amount of time, but it's not the, that's not what you want swirling around your program at the start of a season, especially a strange season like this, where you're diving right into solid competition, you know, straight off the bat. So uh, again, it's going to be chaotic. Uh, we're going to be on the road. We're not, we're going to have minimal distractions. Um, and, and like you said, there's no fans. So I see Michigan state scrapping out this one. Uh, it's going to be a really good back and forth game. I have them winning 27, 24. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a great measuring stick. Uh, Rutgers, not the best opponent. Michigan has its whole, whole own set of uh, circumstances and variables. I think this Iowa game is just going to be one of those typical road big 10 games where you see what your team's made of. And I think, Spartans are going to come out with a W. Yeah. And I think if, if there's one thing to worry about uh, on the Michigan state side of things, it's actually probably on the defensive side of the ball for us, because Iowa, again, like I mentioned, it's, it's kind of a weird year where the Iowa skill position players are, are really strong. And of course we know their offensive line is going to be good. Alaric uh, Jackson is, is a potential first round pick on the offensive line. I know shocker, Iowa's going to have a first round offensive lineman, but um, I, I think this is a, a chance for our defense to be exposed a little bit with, with uh, Amir Smith Marset as a, a great receiver for Iowa and you have a great offensive line. So whoever the quarterback is going to be, he's going to be in a good position there. Um, but I think the MSU offense is actually going to have, you know, not too tough of a test here against Iowa. They lost a ton of experience last year. And look, I think we can get the job done this week. And, and we both have us sitting pretty at two and one right now, heading into a game against Indiana in Spartan Stadium. So after two straight games on the road, we're coming back home. Indiana will be coming straight off of a game against Michigan and the following week will be against Ohio state. So take that uh, for what you will, uh, whether you're in the camp that says, Hey, they'll have this one circled as the winnable game of those three. Or if you want to look at it as man, they just came off a really tough loss and, and they're staring down Ohio state the following week. And, and maybe you can catch them here, but uh, Scott, I- I'll kind of let you hit this one first. Uh, MSU, Indiana, week four at home. What are your first thoughts? I got a good feeling about this one. Um, you know, if my, if our predictions are correct, we're coming off the win against Iowa. We've got confidence. Uh, hopefully by now we have some clarity around the QB situation. And uh, I just think we're going to play well. You know, Indiana is a team that usually brings a great offense to our game. But at the same time, we usually have some pretty good offensive performances against them as well. Um, I got this one at 34-24 Michigan State. I don't know if this is homecoming or not. I, in fact, I'm not even sure if we have a homecoming game. But it's got that midseason feel. Um, and, and I think it's just going to be one where we can take a breath. Uh, it's a good mid-range Big Ten team. Take a breath, play our brand of football, whatever that's going to be. And, uh, yeah, have a good offensive performance. Eli Collins, you know, runs the ball real well against Indiana. They typically play a pretty spread out style on both offense and defense. And I think there's going to be some holes inside for them. So I think this one's going to be a good game. I think we're going to open some eyes in this one and have some big breakout performances. Yeah, this is definitely going to be a game. Our offense needs to play well. This is 
and a, a defense that you can exploit, especially since they lost uh, probably their best defensive player, Marcelino Ball, to an ACL uh, just you know during practice here, which. You know, I hate to see that, especially good players around the conference. I mean, you're never rooting for injuries, but that does certainly make a difference uh, in this Indiana defense. But this is going to be a game where our offense is going to need to keep up because Michael Penix, their quarterback, is a dual threat guy who can absolutely make plays with his legs or with his arm. Wap Fillier is an awesome receiver with an even better name. Stevie Scott, the running back. I mean, they got weapons on that offense. And so that's what makes me nervous in this game. I also think it'll probably be pretty high scoring. Um, I think the line would be pretty close one way or the other. I mean, at this point in the season, who knows where the team's records are at, but in a vacuum, I would probably imagine that Indiana would be favored by something like two and a half points. I think it would be a pretty close line. Um, but I, I do have Michigan State losing this game because I just think Indiana has a little bit too much firepower on the offensive side of the ball this year. I think that Michael Penix is probably going to be the first, you know, real dual threat quarterback that we're going to play. I know that there's been talks about Joe Milton at Michigan as being like the Cam Newton, but I think that's more in stature than in actual playing style from what we've seen from him. I've seen more of a pocket passer. I haven't really seen a guy that is going to kill you with his legs. So I think this this is a first test of something a little bit different and something that might catch our defense off guard a little bit. Again, I do trust the, our coaching staff to to figure something out, but I just think there there might be a little bit too much firepower on this Indiana offense. Now, something that is certainly going to come into play I would have rather caught them in the first couple of weeks for this scenario, but they are as much as I love Tom Allen, their head coach, they have two new coordinators, a, a new offensive and a new defensive coordinator. So that's something to keep an eye on. Is that scheme going to change up a whole lot, but it's probably be a high scoring game that I just don't think we have the firepower to keep up with. So Scott, you have us three and one coming out of this first half of the season I got us sitting pretty at two and two with a 500 record. I think both of these scenarios MSU fans would be pretty happy with, right? You know, we're, we're coming out of the first half of the season. If we're breaking this down four by four and, and we're both either at or above 500. I mean, where would the fan base be at in either of these situations coming out? I mean, is this something where our expectations for this season are suddenly changed and, Hey, Maryland and Northwestern are, are, you know, we're obviously going to win those two games now, or, or do you think that the fan base that I think right now is pretty pessimistic? Do you think that they would hold tune and say, ah, you know, we could very well go in and lose to Maryland next week. I just don't think we got it. You know, what, what do you think the fan base would be thinking in either of our scenarios here at this point of the season? Look, I think a lot of the pessimism that surrounded this program throughout at least the first half of this offseason was just a lot of, I don't want to say resentment, that's too strong of a word, but a lot of uh, frustration from the last couple of years under D'Antonio. There was a lot of stagnation. We weren't seeing a lot of improvement and we weren't seeing a lot of changes. And I think that negativity kind of smoothed itself out a bit as this offseason went on. Tucker brought a ton of enthusiasm to this program and a lot to like. Um, and I think this fan base is going to be, as any fan base is when you get a new coach, quick to adjust their emotions. If we're at one and three after four weeks, even though at the beginning of the offseason, a lot of people probably would have suspected we'd be somewhere around there. I think there's going to be some frustration. They're going to be, there, there will be voices saying, is Tucker really the guy? It's not fair, but they, they will be out there. Uh, but in my scenario, I mean, if we're sitting at three and one, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are, you know, putting their green colored glasses back on and, you know, talking about, oh, what if we could beat Ohio State? What about Indy? <laughs> you know, both unrealistic expectations, in my opinion. I think in all reality, if we're sitting at two and two or three and one, we're going to be pleasantly, I don't want to say pleasantly surprised, but we're going to be pleased and we're going to be happy with uh, what the future looks like, especially going into matchups against Maryland and Northwestern, which we'll touch on in, in a minute here that you know if we're at three and one going into those games provide a serious opportunity to open some eyes around the big 10 um and and i think there'd be a lot of optimism even at two and two i think 
you know, if you, if you look at the schedule, those two road games at Michigan and at Iowa and that home against Indiana, all tough, but I'll leave it, the door open, you know, to win each game. So I think two and two, three and one is where we will be. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you would have told me we'd be sitting at or above 500 halfway through the year, back in March, back in April, I'd probably have laughed at you. Uh, I think we got a great draw in the crossover games for this schedule. And uh, I think it's, it's a pretty real possibility. Yeah. And I, I love sports so much for one of the things you just talked about is that in any fan base of any team, you know, look, we're, we're, most of us are from Metro Detroit. Uh, you know, we grew up both of us as lifelong lions fans. You find lions fans every single year who genuinely believe in their heart of hearts that the lions are going to go to the super bowl and that this is their year. And you also have Lions fans on the other side that say, man, this team sucks. The coach sucks. The GM sucks. Fire everybody. We're going 0-16. Cut the quarterback. It doesn't matter. And and you can find the same thing with Michigan State. You probably have some people out there. I I know they're probably hard to find this year, but I know they exist. I know they're out there lurking in the shadows that genuinely believe that we could beat Ohio State this year. And obviously we've seen a vocal group of people on Twitter that believe we can lose to Rutgers. So I, I love that about sports. The, the emotional fans are, are what drives it. And it's so much fun, but you know, let's, let's propel ourselves into the second half of this season into week five, where we're going to be going back on the road to take on a Maryland team that, well, they suck. If you listen to our episode yesterday, where we broke down the entire big 10, uh, neither of us were were very kind to Maryland in that. So, Scott, I'll let you kick this one off. What are your initial thoughts about us going on the road to Maryland? Yeah, I mean, there are a few voices saying that Maryland is going to be a competitive team. I will not name names, but I did find a, a local beat writer uh, from the Lansing area who did say Maryland may surprise some people this year. I can wholeheartedly say that I completely disagree. I think Maryland, if they win a game, will be surprising people this year. So, I mean, if this team fulfills the potential we think they have, this shouldn't be – there's no reason we should lose. Might it be a little bit closer than we want? Maybe. I think it'll be – I mean, I have it as a 25-point win for Michigan State, 42-17 to on the road. I just think Maryland has holes all over the field. I think by this point in the season, you know, more than halfway through the season, our team's going to have a – you know, developing, but relatively firm sense of their identity. They're going to know what they do well. They're going to know what they don't do well at this point. And Maryland's a team where you probably have the ability to just avoid what you don't do well, play stout football and, and come out with a nice win. I think 42 to 17 maybe requires a couple turnovers, a couple breaks in our favor, but you know, worst case scenario, I think we're looking at 10 to 20 point win uh, in this game on the road. Yeah. Any optimism I've seen from Maryland this year, all stems from the fact that they have Tua Tagovailoa's little brother coming in to play quarterback for him. He was a transfer, and nobody's seen this kid play. You're going off of the reputation of what his brother did at Alabama, and it's just one of those things where you see the name on the back of the jersey. You're like, oh, he must be good, and I, I just don't think that's the case, man. Otherwise, Byron Bola would have been a first-team All Big Ten linebacker. So it, it's just. I don't know, man. Maryland's a bad team. Jeff Loxley's a bad coach. I just don't understand where any optimism comes from Maryland. And when you look at their schedule, the way it plays out, they're going to be coming off of three straight games against Minnesota, Penn State, Ohio State coming into our game. So they're going to be in a bad spot, man. That's you talk about the psychology of a football team. They're going to be in a bad spot. That, That might be a combined, I don't know, 150 to 10 like in those three games they're gonna get whooped and, and so maybe they have this one circled I don't know but I, I just don't see Maryland posing a threat I think in a vacuum Michigan State would probably be favored here by 14 and a half 15 and a half similar to where we are at with Rutgers and, and I just think you know their defense isn't very good their offense doesn't have many playmakers like we've seen in the past. Anthony McFarlane was a game-breaking running back. Well, he's in, he's on the Pittsburgh Steelers now. So uh, I just don't really see where this team could beat us. I mean, they, they got a couple wide receivers, but I just I think the defensive backs on our team are pretty strong. So the only thing that they do well, I think we can minimize. And yeah, I think we get out of this one with a pretty easy win. 
taking us in my projections to three and two. And Scott, you're you're sitting pretty four and one. Michigan State, Mel Tucker. How are we feeling going into the end of the year? Four and one. Hey, it's hard to believe. You know, I said it in an episode yesterday. I didn't expect to have this prediction uh, before I saw the schedule and really sat down to go through it. But the first three quarters of our schedule are forgiving. You know, I just said it uh, while we were going through the previous game. It's, it's, there's good matchups across the board. There's storylines that could play out in our favor in all these games. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're going to find some things we do well on both sides of the ball and, and capitalize against some of these mid and low tier Big Ten teams to pull out some wins. Again, I think, like I said, when D'Antonio left and we, we lost a lot of seniors, there was a lot of pessimism. There was a lot of just tiredness around the program. Uh, but I think we lost sight of the fact that we have a lot of talent left on this roster. Uh, certainly not as much experience as years past, but there's tons of guys. A lot of these position groups are four or five, maybe even six guys deep. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that goes a long way in, in a season like this to have talent to rely on. And we're still a proud program. We've got a great set of coaches. And, uh, yeah, I think we're going to play good football this year. And maybe it's just the fact that it's, you know, finally game week. I've been waiting. I don't even know how many months it is. It feels like it's been three years since we played football and uh, the optimism has had time to uh, boil up, but, but I like this schedule and I like, I like where we're at. So uh, yeah, I mean, I got another week, I got another win coming week six against Northwestern. So let's keep this rolling. Yeah. Why not? I, I mean, I think the, Northwestern game in week six is one of the most interesting games to predict on the whole schedule. Uh, You have Pat Fitzgerald, a head coach that has had a lot of success against Michigan state. You have a team that I think talent wise matches up pretty damn well. Northwestern brings in Peyton Ramsey at quarterback from Indiana to shore up probably the weakest spot on their roster that they had last year. And right. The biggest reason that they lost a lot of games and we know the defense is going to be good under Pat Fitzgerald. It's, it's been year in and year out. Uh, but I, I think that they have a couple players coming back where Isaiah Bowers coming back at running back. We haven't seen him the last few years. And I think this Northwestern team is going to be pretty tough, but ultimately I, I do think we win this game. I, I think that again, the talent's going to be pretty equal and I do love Pat Fitzgerald as a head coach, but I think that they they just don't have the the playmakers on offense. You know, I do like their quarterback, but where are the receivers on this team? Uh, Isaiah Bowser is a pretty good running back, but he's not a game breaker type guy. He's a pound it two and a half, three yards a carry. Um, he'll get you two and a half or three yards every time he touches the football. He's never going to go backwards, but he's certainly not going to have any of those big explosive twenty plus yard plays. So. I think if we can just get a couple of those from our wide receivers, from Eli Collins to break this game open just a little bit, I think that could be the difference in a Michigan state win here against the fighting Pat Fitzgerald's and Northwestern to bring us to our fourth win of the season, uh, getting us to a minimum of 500 on the year, uh, probably realistically our last winnable game on the schedule. Mel Tucker's going to have this one circled and I think the guys are going to go out and get it done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like the matchup. Obviously our fan base knows how competitive it's been in years past. Um, They did bring in Peyton Ramsey, but this is a team that has not always relied on the the talent of their quarterback to play good football as it is. So I think you're going to see a pretty bruising game. It's getting later into this already late season. Um, Obviously playing in Spartan stadium, according to our current plan, playing in Spartan stadium, uh, this may even be a December game at this point. So you know, the ball's going to be on the ground a lot this game. There's going to be a lot of slamming into each other at the line of scrimmage. I think MSU's depth at uh, and size at the offensive line is going to wear down Northwestern. I got it at 31 to 24, maybe a lit that might be a little bit high scoring um, looking back on the prediction, but uh, it's certainly possible. Um, and I think we just play good football in this one. And like you said, probably the last big game, probably the game that's going to leave either a a positive or a negative taste in our mouth going into the off season. When you consider what's coming after that, you know, there's not going to be very high expectations past this game. So this one will probably be putting a, a pin in the team until, you know, the next season or potentially that champions week. So I got them sitting at five and one, uh, our, our expectations would probably be overly inflated at this point. There'd be a lot of excitement that Ohio state's probably going to have something to say about, but 
I hope it happens. It'd be really, really fun experience to, to be sitting at that kind of record after this kind of off season. Yeah. And it, look, it's crazy to think about, you know, in a vacuum again, but when you see the way the schedule plays out, man, I, I've talked about it so many times that it's, it's a really manageable schedule. And, you know, when, when the schedule, you know, was released and you had all of these people who are the winners and losers, who are the, you know, who has the easiest schedule is the toughest schedule. Michigan state was never really talked about as being like one of the easiest schedules in the conference. And that did kind of surprise me because look, our, our crossover games are both very manageable. I, th- I think the result is because people expect Iowa to be better than they are. But the schedule lays out pretty perfectly and you get the two toughest games at the end of the season. You don't really have to worry about them killing any momentum early in the season. So as much as it seems crazy, I don't think it's totally out of the question to be four, you know, four and two, five and one at this point of the season. So um, we we both have us going in and, and getting a win against Pat Fitzgerald and the Northwestern Wildcats, which brings us again to uh yeah probably those two games at the end of the season that maybe aren't so winnable uh ohio state is going to come into east lansing with justin fields and chris Olave and master teague and uh they they brought in trey sermon at running back from oklahoma you know they lose talent every year but these guys are just going to keep reloading it doesn't matter um, they have a great offensive line. Wyatt Davis is is maybe a top 15 draft pick as, as a guard. I mean, the kid's just a bully in the middle. I think this one could get ugly. I think when you just look at the disparity in, in overall talent between these two teams, you know, we can we can be feisty. We can, you know, give it our all. But I just think Ohio State is so much more talented that this game could get out of hand pretty quick. And I think Ohio state is going to be probably something like 40 point favorites. Um, and they'll probably live up to that pretty clearly. Yeah. I'm uh, I mean, if it's a 40 point line, I'm going to take MSU against that only because it, it's, it's going to be outside in the cold. Ohio state's going to be, you know, they're going to have Michigan on their mind the week after they're going to want to be preserving their talent for Michigan and for the late season, you know, potentially big 10 championship and for them potentially the college football playoff as well. So they're going to be playing in a conservative fashion, assuming they develop a bit of a lead in the first half. So maybe we steal a score to, to make the, the score a little, you know, prettier by the end. I've got this one at 42 to 16 Ohio state. Um, it is in Spartan stadium again, for whatever advantage that is this year, we don't really know without fans, but maybe those cardboard cutouts will spook a few of their boys. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think the only thing that's really going to protect us in this game is the cold and the fact that they've got a lot of big games left on their schedule at this point. Um, so, but yeah, I don't really expect this one to be competitive. You know, this might be a find something else at halftime kind of deal, but Never know. Maybe they'll surprise us. It's just too late in the season. They'll be too well developed. They'll be too well oiled at that point. And uh, yeah, just too much talent. Yeah. And you, you get a team like that this late in the year that knows what they're competing for. And that's a national championship. They're going to be rolling. And I guess the only chance we have at this game is somehow, some way, let's say maybe, okay, Ohio state loses week two to Penn state. Then they they just lose one of those Ohio State, you know, well, last couple of years they had that loss at Purdue. You know, maybe they just slip up another time throughout the season. And by now it this their season doesn't matter because they're no longer competing for a national championship. Maybe you get some opt-outs because of that, right? Maybe they've lost two games early in the year and then Sean Wade, their corner is like, all right, you know what? Screw this. We're not, we're not going to the national title. I'm out. Wyatt Davis is like, yep, this is what I opted back in for. No way. I'm gone. Justin Fields decides he'd rather just, you know, start preparing for the NFL draft. And even then I, I think they would probably be too talented. So I don't know, man, I, I can't really see a path to us being, super competitive in this game you know comes coming down into the third and fourth quarters so I just think maybe we can hang in with them in the first half and keep it competitive then and I think that would be a win if this is a one score game going into halftime that's a big win I don't care what happens in the second half so this is Ohio State this is Ohio State by a lot and just don't really expect much from a Michigan State fan in this one 
Yeah, it'll be fun to watch. I think if, if we are, you know, at, I think I have them at uh, five and one going into this game. You have them at four and two. You know, it, it'd be an exciting week. It, obviously, we'd get some attention nationally. We might be ranked. Be, you know, ranked probably pretty healthily uh, if we're five and one. Um, it'd be fun. Maybe game day's there. Who knows? But, yeah, I think as, once the, you know, once the talent gets on the field, we'd be uh, probably looking at, you know, how to compete with them next year, unfortunately. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's always, you know, it's always great to measure yourself up against the best of the best and then give us a great sense of where our program stands against the elite of the Big Ten. Yeah, those measuring stick games are always big for a program. New coaching staff, especially, just to see, if, you know, how how they evaluate these players against just a straight-up more talented team and how they find ways to try to scheme around it and, It'll be interesting and I'll certainly be, you know, eyeing on a couple of the matchups, you know, how does our offensive line, hopefully by then, maybe, maybe we've stayed pretty healthy and I think there's some individual talent there. So how do they hold up against a great D line in Ohio state? You know, can we prevent multiple sacks or can we just find one or two matchup wins where we can come out of it and say, Hey, you know what? The team as a whole struggled. We lost this game, but at the end of the day, hey, our, our running backs did really well. They ran for five yards a carry. Or you know, we're at the end of this game and we're saying, you know what? They didn't have any big explosive like 40-plus yard passing plays. Like our defensive backs kept them in front of them. That's really what I'd be looking for in this game. Is there one or two just little victories that we can come out of this week and say, you know what? This group did pretty well. I, I think that would be a win for this game. But uh, ultimately – if we're looking at a point total, it's not going to be really pretty. So that's going to take us here to the final game of the eight game regular season against Penn state. Another team that we're definitely going to be outmatched talent wise. I think definitely to a lesser degree than we were with Ohio state. And that's the Penn state Nittany lions. We have them on the road, but again, Beaver stadium without any fans does definitely doesn't have the same impact as the you know general whiteout that we've seen in years past but it is a Penn State team that's really really good man they have two defensive ends that are both NFL players Shaka Tony and Jason Away Jason Away is a, one of those dudes he's like 65 240 and there are reports legitimate reports that say he ran a laser timed 4340 kids an absolute freak and so without even Michael Parsons the linebacker there's just a whole lot of talent. Uh, Castro Fields at corner can lock people down, and their offense should be pretty solid this year. Pat Fryermuth is one of the best tight ends in the country. Sean Clifford, say what you want about him at quarterback, but you know he's better than any options we have. And I think that Penn State is just too talented in this game. Maybe by this point, you know, if if they only have one loss against an Ohio State. You know, they still have a, a mathematical chance at the Big Ten East. I, I think they're going to come in here motivated, ready to play. And I think that this is going to get out of hand. But again, it's one of those games where I just think you're looking for a couple little victories. You're looking to stay competitive in the first half and, and just try to try to keep this within a couple touchdowns going into the fourth quarter. And I'll be a happy camper. Yeah, look, I'm not. I mean, my prediction is no, and I don't think we're going to win this game. I actually have my final prediction at 38 to 24. So a uh, 14 point loss, probably give MSU a win against the spread. Um, but look, Penn state is a team we have surprised before 2017. Um, we beat them at Spartan stadium. That was the infamous three hour weather delay. And um, it was just a wild game that I don't think actually sticks out in a whole lot of people's memory because it was just so strange and it was so drawn out and it, it was like a noon game that ended at like 8 PM or something. Um, but we won that game and we shouldn't have, I think we were ranked like 24th. They were ranked seventh. Um, and, and we pulled out the win in the next year. We were worse. I think everybody knows that 2018 was not a particularly great year. We finished seven and six. We came into that game at three and two unranked Penn state was a top 10 team with one loss. I think their only loss at that point was against Ohio state. So they had everything to play for in that game. That was of course the Felton Davis, uh, you know, touchdown at the end there to silence the crowd. I was actually at that game. I was going to say, I remember uh, that you were in the fans in the stands for that one. Yeah. I mean, it was glorious. It was uh, seeing Beaver stadium that quiet. I never thought I'd see the day, but, um, it's a team we make plays against and, and James Franklin, you know, it's well documented that he can leave teams 
you know, leave the door open for teams to come back in at the end. Um, it's on the roads. So, well, it may be indoor at this point. This is like a second week of December game. So it's a very possible scenario. We are playing this somewhere like Indy or Ford Field or something like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think we'll win, but it could be closer than you think. We probably won't really have any pressure on us. If, if our expectations are correct, we will probably have exceeded the preseason expectations. Our fan base will be happy. Our, you know, our program will be in a really good place looking in the next year with really no pressure. Potentially Penn State could have a lot of pressure on their shoulders. Like you said, if there's a mathematical possibility that they could, you know, make, uh, make the Big Ten championship, maybe Michigan pulls off like a noon game upset of Ohio State and Penn State, you know, knows that. Um, a lot of possibilities. And, and in week eight, you know, that deep into the season, there could be a lot of surprises. Penn State could be weaker than we expected. Michigan State could be even stronger than we expected. So hard to predict something this far out. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I'd put it probably two to two and a half score loss uh, for Michigan State if I had to, you know, make an estimate right now. Yeah, again, I Penn State is is probably closer to Ohio State than they are to Michigan. I think yeah. that the talent level there is is really good. And and look, they've played Ohio State really freaking close the last few years. And I've been a proponent of like trying to find any way to move these two teams to the opposite divisions just because those two on a neutral site in Indy I think would be a lot more compelling than Ohio State and Wisconsin every year. So um I, I do think though that uh, Penn state, again, they're closer to Ohio state than they are to Michigan. And in that sense, they're, they're a lot more talented than we are. So I think this is a game that you're looking for a little victories and, and to get out of there and, and finish up the regular season with a, a competitive game and, and just trying to get to that week nine. And before you get another win under your belt. So um, that, you know, at that point uh, with two losses to finish up the year, I have them going four and four, right at an even 500 with wins against Rutgers, Iowa, Maryland, and Northwestern. Scott, you have them five and three above 500. Yeah. I mean, I got wins against Rutgers at Iowa, Indiana, at Maryland and and Northwestern. And uh, again, you know, three, four, five months ago, probably would not be having the same conversation, but the schedule comes out. There's so much chaos. There's, you know, just, so many variables. And, and I think a lot of them have played out in favor of Michigan state as this off season has worn on, obviously the, the win total over under, I think for MSU has been anywhere from two and a half to three and a half, usually depending on uh, your source. And I think we're going to, I think we're going to end up over that, whether that's four or five wins, I think we'll be in that range. And I think we'll have a lot of happy fans, a lot of, you know, really hopeful fans and the program will maintain that enthusiasm and the excitement going into hopefully a more regular off season, uh, you know, next year, but first we got to figure out this champions week and, and potentially a bowl game. I don't think we're going to get into bowl games today. Cause nobody really knows how that's going <laughs> to no shake idea. out, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, champions week gives us another opportunity to just finish the season with something strong and positive. So I don't know. Uh, who do you have them playing for? Yeah. So Again, I was going to say that's something we'll touch on pretty briefly here because we probably have them playing two different teams and and these are hypothetical matchups so we have no idea who if they'll even play themselves out but in in this situation I would have Michigan State at four and four we would be fourth in the Big Ten East behind uh, or fifth in the Big Ten East excuse me behind Ohio State Penn State uh, Michigan and Indiana and that would line us up with Nebraska for a cross-division matchup to end the year and that's a game that I think would be very winnable for Michigan State. Nebraska's got a couple of good skill position players. Wandale Robinson is one of the best receivers in the Big Ten. He was a true freshman last year. I think he's going to have a big year. Um, so they, they can certainly beat us in that sense. But um, th- their defense isn't great. They got a couple of good defensive backs. But when you're looking at them up front on both sides of the ball, the offensive and defensive lines are not very strong. And I think that's where we could exploit them in this game. And and I think that we could certainly get ourselves a win. So if this hypothetical situation played itself out, we're four and four going into a game against North Nebraska, North Nebraska, Nebraska to end the season. I think we would get ourselves a win, get us to five and four above 500 to end the year. And I think that any Michigan state fan would be thrilled with that. If you, if you took them 
at the beginning of the season, right now, today, Wednesday, three days before kickoff, and you said, we're going to finish off five and four after this nine-game schedule, or you can take whatever comes behind door number two. I think just about every every Michigan State fan would take that five and four record and not risk whatever the alternative is because it's as much as I like to say it's it's possible to to envision a future that's better than that. I know you have predicted it. Um, maybe it's not the most likely situation if if we're betting ourselves, you know, hey, five and four or whatever's behind door number two. So I, I think. I and many Michigan State fans would be very thrilled with that result, especially with the win to end the year. It always is nice to take some momentum into the offseason. Yeah, look, I uh, I have them playing Iowa. I know the Big Ten has said they're going to try to avoid rematches. Um, but as we went through our predictions, just for the sake of simplicity, it was too complex to try to guess exactly who that would be. So I just went straight record, which would put us against Iowa. And I have them losing that game 27 to 17, probably at an indoor neutral site somewhere. I just think it's too hard to beat the same team twice in a game like Big Ten football. Um, it, had we dropped the game against Kinnick week three, I probably would have taken MSU in this game just because, like I said, it's, you know, they should be evenly matched teams and evenly matched teams should be a coin flip, right? So um, I have them finishing the season five and four. Ironically, that's exactly where I had Michigan finishing after a four and four regular season and a win in their champions week game. So um, <laughs> I think in that sense, you know, thinking of finishing the season equal to Michigan in Mel Tucker's first year, um, I'm pretty sure there's probably not a Spartan soul on this earth that would turn that down. So um, that Twitter yeah, off season would be so much fun. Oh my God. After the amount of stuff I see every day on Twitter about Michigan fans ragging on us for our recruiting rankings and talking about how they blew us out last year and how, you know, Hey Sparty, you better get ready for one and eight, you know, Oh my God. If we finished with the same record after this season, I would have so much fun this off season on Twitter, man, that would be a blast. Listen, Twitter has been uh, an absolute treasure trove of entertainment lately in the Michigan, Michigan State circles. Uh, I think the combination of being a week and a half away from our annual game, while also not having stepped foot on a football field against a Big Ten opponent yet or any opponent yet, uh, just creates the perfect toxic environment for some awful takes and some hilarious uh, conversation. Um, But yeah, I mean, overall, like I said, I think this team is going to surpass the, I think, expectations that were tainted a bit by some pessimism left behind by the previous uh, regime and under Mark D'Antonio. And, and obviously everybody's very aware of the ups and downs we had the last couple of years under him. So I think we got a clean slate this year. We've got a lot of, I don't want to call them distractions, but reasons to look beyond where the program was left uh, when, when D'Antonio left and, and a lot to look forward to. So uh, I got them at five and four, five and three in the regular season. And uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's pretty realistic. And I think that's what we're going to see. So we have two optimistic results here, both at five and four to end off the season. Absolutely love to hear that. And I would love to hear your guys' thoughts. Follow on Twitter at standing room MSU. Scott is at Spartan Martin 18. Um, and, and you can let us know what you guys think. What's your win and loss prediction? What do you think about ours? Are we being a little bit too optimistic or are we being too pessimistic? Are you one of those psychos that think we can beat Ohio state? I would love to hear about that. Uh, Instagram is standing room Spartans. Um, again, to this point, it's been a wild week. You're used to two episodes a week. We're giving you four uh, Monday. You heard the superlative awards. So if you haven't already, make sure you check that out. Yesterday, we did the entire Big Ten. So if you want to hear some more context about what do we think about this Iowa team as a whole? What do we think about maybe some of the teams we didn't play? uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, we dive into all of that. So if you haven't listened, check that out from yesterday. And tomorrow, you can expect a uh, Rutgers preview. So we're going to really deep deep dive into this game, into some of the individual matchups, into what they have going on on their roster, their new coaching staff. And we'll really break that down a little bit more in detail as we will going into every single game this season. We're three days away from kickoff, folks. I cannot wait. Scott, any last thoughts before we get out of here? 
No, I think next time I'll be on the podcast, we'll either be 1-0 and or 0-1, and, and uh, hopefully we'll be 1-0 and looking at uh, some positive, you know, positive results from the first week. So, yeah, looking forward to getting into it. It's a long time coming. Hopefully nothing throws a wrench in it this last couple of days. But, uh, yeah, I guess there's nothing left to say but go green. Yep, and the the standing room puppy is looking at me with some uh, crazy eyes. I think it's time for her to eat. So, Scott, feel free to hang up on me. We'll get this thing on the road tomorrow. Rutgers preview, three days away from MSU football. Have yourselves a great day. Take care, folks.